Hi, I'm Megan Wong, Vice President of Development at Metrolinks and a member of the Women's Leadership Initiative, WLI. I'm also a member of WLI's Championship Committee, which focuses on spotlighting influential women in Toronto real estate by annually nominating champions active in the community and development. I'm joined by my co-host, Jennifer Rezes, Vice President of Development at First Capital REIT, also a member of WLI and WLI's Championship Committee. On behalf of the Urban Land Institute's Toronto chapter, and in particular on behalf of WLI, I'm happy to welcome Claire and Dana to this podcast. Last June, we organized a wonderful event at Stack Market, which celebrated the new 2021 champions and asked 10 of our past champions to facilitate discussion tables centered on career progression. Today, we continue this discussion with two WLI champions to share their insights. Each champion has a profile on the WLI website, which I encourage all listeners to check out. But to start things off, and in no particular order, Dana and Claire, can you each please introduce yourself, your current role, and the best career advice you've received? Thanks. It's great to be here. So Dana Anderson, and I am currently a partner and land use planner with MHBC, and I'm here in our Burlington office today. I have been practicing planning for just over 30 years now. I have been engaged in planning in, I think, every level of government and in both the public and the private sector. So starting out with a role at the Ministry of Municipal Affairs and Housing, moving into land use at a prominent law firm in Toronto, and then moving on into private practice as a partner, and then taking a bit of a, I'll call it an experimental hiatus with the municipality for about seven years, which was a great experience that then led me to my current role as a partner with the firm working on a whole bunch of really exciting projects. I also do a lot of volunteer work and currently teach at the University of Waterloo. I would say, looking back on 30 years, some great career advice that I got that I always stick to. It comes to sort of visioning yourself of where you'd like to be. So each sort of five years in your career, someone might ask you or you might reflect on where would you like to be in five years? I'm a visual thinker, so I always think of it sort of as this line to the front of what would be the beginning of the next step in the career. And someone said to me along the way, don't worry about pushing yourself to the front of the line, make sure you make room for others to go with you. And it kind of resonates with me because we often think about sort of being first and at the front of something to be the best at something. And I really do think it's about sort of collaboration and moving forward together. So that's, I think, the career advice I received was have patience and move your way forward with others and make sure that those are people that you're really comfortable with and that you have a lot of trust and respect for. So that would be my piece of career advice today, even for others starting out, would be surround yourself with those great people that are going to help you move forward. Great. Thanks, Dana. And thank you, Jennifer and Megan. I'm Claire McIntyre. I am a senior vice president at Oxford Properties. I currently oversee our global brand marketing and communications groups and work on various global um, initiatives that don't rightly fit anywhere else and often just sitting with me. So it's a little bit different every day, which is fantastic. I don't think of myself as a real estate person because I didn't start as a real estate person. But now that I've been in real estate for about 20 years, I think 
I'm starting to qualify in the category of real estate professional. In terms of great advice, Dana, what you just said, one part of it resonated with me a lot, which is around working with other people. And so the advice I've heard is you can go fast alone, but you can go far in a group. And I think that that is something to always keep in mind and going far just feels a lot more appealing than going fast. Being planful about my career and where I want to end up is not one of my strengths. So I love the idea of making plans in advance of where you want to go. I've just never been successful in sitting down and making myself do that. The other piece of advice that I got very early on, and I still believe in very much, is that hard work is a free education. And so when there is something new and interesting to work on, and you're just spending your time thinking really, really hard, instead of feeling like it's a negative challenge, if you just think of it as it's like free school to get paid and get to think and figure new things out, it makes it a lot more enjoyable. Thank you both for those wonderful introductions and a lot of what you have each said already has resonated so much. So as Megan mentioned, today we wanted to ask all of you a few of the questions from the event to share your insights. So first, I'll go to Dana. What setbacks have you encountered in your career and how did you overcome them? Hmm, That's a great question. And I think all of us throughout our careers have sort of setbacks and they can be as a result of circumstances, but also within our career and depending on the nature, you know, of our work with particular projects, I would say one of the hardest decisions for me, and it at the time seemed like a setback, was having to make a decision as to whether or how I would continue in my role once I was sort of in that position of being on parental leave. That's a real challenge. And when I say it was a setback, I think at that time I had to make a decision knowing that going on parental leave would limit the opportunity at the time in terms of the role that I had within that company, which is challenging because as a corporation, I respect that they have a process through which you achieve that based on experience. And so if you choose not to go back full-time or part-time, you're sort of making a decision that you're kind of, in essence, having to put your your sort of career aspirations on hold. So not really a setback, but a bit of a frustration. What I ended up deciding to do, because that turned it around for me, was I decided I would just start my own small company. And so I wouldn't be fully employed. And I would just try and, and work when I could and balance sort of that home life role in a way that suited me and my family at the time. One of the hardest decisions to make, and it's certainly a setback at, to me at that time, but actually um, in hindsight, absolutely not at all. Probably one of the best decisions I made to take that different core path with my work. So I think when we're faced with those decisions, you know, you can, there's, I don't think there's any right answer for everyone. I think it's very much a personal decision, but I think, again, if you have supportive people that you're working with, you know, perhaps there are creative solutions that you could pursue. So something that you might perceive as a setback would actually be something that can actually strengthen your work and your role so that you're not sort of being cut off. So I would, again, encourage when you're sort of faced with those decisions to have good discussions 
with those around you and seek advice of others who've had to make that decision as well. So that would be, I would say, one thing that was at the time a bit of a setback, but certainly turned itself around to be a lot more challenging, a lot more interesting. I love that you took a problem and took matters into your own hands, so to speak, and made it an opportunity for you. And I think that speaks to the strength of a new mom or a woman in this industry and just being resourceful in that way. So I'll jump to Claire now to weigh in on a setback that you faced. Sure. There's a great saying that rough seas make good sailors. And that's where I think any setback, if you can channel it for the opportunity, can be quite a positive experience. There was a point in my career where I was up for a promotion and I did not get it. And the reason I was given was that somebody a few levels above me said, I just don't see it in her. She's like my daughter. And so there's not a lot you could generally say there are objective things you need to accomplish to change levels, but I didn't really know how to overcome the concept of someone effectively saying that I was too young. What it did was I was angry at first, if I'm honest. And then I was just very specific in saying, what are the things I can control? Because I don't think it's worth getting upset about things that are outside of your control. So what are the things that I can control in my interactions with this person in my work? I was a bit more focused than I would normally be on that specific need, then it turned around. So it turned out to be the right thing to have done. And it made me more aware of the importance of the way people perceive you as opposed to just the quality of the work that you do and the way that what you do, how you do it, incredibly important, but a perception of others who are in positions of influence. I love what you said, because I think perception is something that, that we all learn a bit of the hard way. And so sharing these stories is so important at a certain point, it's just not good enough to be good at the work. It's also how you're portraying and perceiving yourself. So thank you so much for sharing that. It's easy to look at other people as, you know, the issue rather than how can I, what can I control? great. I love the reference to the things you can and cannot control because I think of those situations you were speaking of that setback. And sometimes when you're having a really bad day, you look outside and you think, well, you know, I can't control it. It's like the weather. (laughs) If it's going to rain, it doesn't have to mean it's a bad day. (laughs) It's just, I can control how good it is. I can't control how wet I'll be. It's a saying that I use with my kids all the time. Focus on the things that are in your control. The rest will sort itself out. We just need to also say it to ourselves. It's a good reminder. (laughs) Okay, so jumping into our next question, which I think is a good segue. What questions do you wish you had asked others in your field at the beginning of your career? I can start off. I think I probably would have asked people about how they sort of, I'll say, changed courses or changed sort of transition and whether that was within the same company in a different position or in fact moving to different environments. I always find that that for me was a big challenge and it would have been nice to have sort of had some advice on how to make that work really well for yourself. It's almost, you almost feel like you're leaving something you really love with the people that you love to work with to go on to something else. But 
I always found it a really stressful time. And again, it would have been nice to have some good advice on that and maybe someone to tell me to take it day by day, ease into it, get to know everyone. You know, it's sort of starting over, even though you're maybe moving into a position work-wise that you continuation, but you have to get to know a whole new group of people. So take the time to get to know those people, to develop those relationships, um, and, and do that at the beginning without jumping in too quickly before you're, you're so engulfed in it that you have sort of missed that opportunity. So maybe that's the advice to kind of think out a little bit more about how you would transition and transition in, but also transition out, you know, remembering to keep um, those relationships that you built over probably many years with those that you worked with. Because in our industry, as we all know, it's a small group. And although we're in different areas and fields, we get to meet a lot of people through those experiences. So don't lose those and maintain those even in your new role, which can be a, a great benefit. Um, you might even get a chance to work with them again. I love that. And I love the day by day. And Claire, you made a similar comment around planning for the future. And that may be not being one of your strong points, but I think there's a lot of pressure put on young professionals to have a five-year plan and think about their future and how long they want to be somewhere. I think it's really nice to hear that some of us just figured it out as we went along and there's something wonderful in that and finding new opportunities. Claire, same question to you. I'm going to talk about two distinct things. The first is I wish I had asked who should I know? So not who am I going to interact with regularly or who will I work with, but who should I know? And just to have put together a more thoughtful view, that would have been a good question to ask instead of stumbling my way through. And the second thing is, it builds a little bit on what Dana was saying, which is it's quite apparent to most of us how to have a very linear career path and you just sort of move along in the same um, function or area of business and you add more things to your leadership. But some non-linear career opportunities where you take a step back or a step sideways can ultimately be huge advantages to you later on. And I wish I had taken the time or asked questions uh, in that regard to say, what are really valuable skills? What are really important relationships? What makes a very well-rounded real estate professional? Because the answer isn't always just do what you do extremely well and you'll just keep getting more of it. I don't think it's obvious to many people that you have to be thoughtful about that. Just we don't put the time into thinking what else would make me a better professional, but it's incredibly valuable when you have that person on your team who's done a little bit of everything. So they're deep in one area, but they're also really wide and they are just amazing resources to have. So I think that's something I, if I were to go back, I would have put some thought into. Great link to that. I think Claire too, as I was thinking back, I did a lot of volunteer work early on and to be encouraged to do that to meet people that aren't even necessarily in your industry, think about those non-linear moves. Working with volunteer capacity on a subcommittee of something completely different, or maybe it's in healthcare, maybe it's associated with education, and meeting people in those environments and learning their perspectives on things and 
for me, that's sort of opened up some, some eyes on finance because I worked with the treasurer on a board and just to get to know those people in their professions in a different capacity, I think, especially young women, it's a great opportunity. So I wish we had had more of that maybe. I think also in those sorts of opportunities, you might be more of an expert than you realize. So I will never be on the finance or audit committee in my organization, but I was on the board of a not-for-profit where I was on the audit committee for several years because to them, I was a complete expert, whereas here I would not be invited to the room. I've also done volunteer things with cultural organizations. I do work with the Toronto Public Library Foundation, and you learn different things, particularly with cultural organizations or not-for-profits. There's such resource constraint on the organizations that they have to be extremely creative, and that's something we can learn from also. The more constrained environments can open new ideas up. Yeah, it's a great way to build confidence too, because you can become engaged in activities that you might otherwise not get that opportunity early on. It really changes your perspective and it opens, it broadens your horizons to get out of your day-to-day, I find, volunteering that is. And to your earlier point, Claire, it's so key to forge relationships with people and not just focus on getting your job done, you know, within your set hours. I think that That goes such a long way in your career. Really insightful. I feel often, and not to completely gender stereotype, but men often under seem to understand more that investing time in relationships during business hours is legitimate. My husband, he goes bike riding with people a few days a week and they're people he does business with and he will have lunches and coffees all the time. And I'll say, I don't have time. I have too much work to do. And he always says to me, but it is work. It is. And you glean information that you may not have if you were having a phone call with someone, even if it's the same person. Having lunch with someone is much different than spending an hour in a meeting with someone, right? I was just having this conversation with a young woman who's new to the industry, and she was asking about building relationships because she sees her her bosses you know, going on ski trips or golf trips with other professionals that are also senior in the industry. And she asked, how do I get that? how do I build these kind of relationships? And I said, you start now, you meet the other people at your level, you volunteer, you get out there, you have coffee, you have drinks, if you're comfortable, you socialize. And 10, 20 years from now, you'll have these relationships where you're the one painting with people or golfing with people, and you can call them. And it helps your business, but also your personal life and your professional life kind of come together. I think young professionals look at those relationships as on a pedestal that they just sort of materialize out of thin air, but it's years of of this relationship building. Absolutely. So we've talked a bit about setbacks and experiences and career progression, and now we wanted to give you each an opportunity to brag. So we wanted to know what has been the biggest win of your career so far and how did you get there? That's a hard one. I mean, there's been a few projects that I've worked on that have taken a long time. I could speak to a lot of them that have been really rewarding when I'm actually on the ground at the event, actually seeing it start to take shape. Unfortunately, it often takes 10 years plus. Um, But I would say for me, having experience in both the public and private sectors, I was asked about five or six years ago now to be the planner in residence at the University in Waterloo. And I think that was at a time when 
I had really sort of struggled transitioning out of the municipality I worked for back into the private sector. And it was just a great way to, I think, get back to the roots of planning and talking about land use planning. And, and the students that year, I mean, it was tough to juggle teaching with practice, but the students that year were literally my adrenaline. And it was such a sort of a confidence boost for me. And it was great to meet so many young people coming into the profession uh, through that course. And I kind of had a lot of flexibility with the with the curriculum. And so it was just, it was a really great, I would say, milestone in my career to be able to sort of give back in that capacity. And I've, what's really great about that too, is that I've watched many of them go on to do some great things. There's a few that just got elected, which is phenomenal. And uh, it was just a great experience for me at that time in my career to sort of give me the confidence to know that there's great hope for at least the planning profession through some of the folks that are coming online. So I think that was a big win for me. And that was, you know, obviously as a result of hard work, but I think just others seeing the benefits of having me in that type of a role, which was great to get that recognition. I don't have a biggest win to talk about, but I feel as though I've had a lot of consistently small wins. Maybe that's because I don't plan like Dana does. And so I go one stair at a time instead of jumping right up. But I've been very fortunate that whether in projects at work or taking on new functions or working in new geographies that I've been able to have lots of little wins along the way. And then they add up to be sort of more substantial or to have a bigger impact and you don't notice them while they're happening and that's okay. But I'm not trying to be obtuse. I just can't think of anything that's particularly inspiring, but I do think that I've been lucky to be given new things to, to work on, whether they be within the organization, outside of the organization, and they've all sort of added up to be quite helpful in making me better at who I am and allowing me to have better impact on the organization and the people around me. I love that many small wins, and there's probably a lot of people that resonates with, because in this industry, like you said, Dan, I can take years to really see something that you consider a really big win. Maybe just to spin off on that, Claire, do you have any advice? Would you tell your former self to sit back and celebrate some of those little wins along the way with a toast or a, a treat? Or, or are you happy the, the way that it progressed? I'm really competitive. So when I'm happy with things, I let myself feel happy. I'm not a martyr <laughs> by any means. So I've probably toasted sometimes along the way, but I do think taking a moment probably just to recognize the things that we accomplish is really important. And that can happen either individually, or I happen to be blessed with the most amazing group of just incredibly smart, successful women, girlfriends, like friends of mine who make sure to make one another feel good when things happen and to remind one another of accomplishments. Being willing to accept that and just say thank you to people 
is something that I think is really important. Just get a great group of people around you. If you have inspiring people around you who hold you to a very high standard, then they will tell you when you've done something that's worth celebrating. And sometimes that's what we need is the external kind of reaffirmation that you are a badass and that you've gotten this far and look where you've look where you've been, look where you are now. I think you need it from both sides, internal and external. And I love the idea that there are lots of small things that we often don't consider, you know, wins, but they are and cumulatively, even just through mentoring, I would say big wins for me is when I see young women that I've worked with or mentored in a capacity, whether it's formally, professionally, or just having a group of young women to hang out and go out with. So I feel young again, but to see them now in roles where they're doing that and their role models, I think is amazing. And when you've been doing it for as long as I have, it's sort of like I've done what I did and look at what's happening now. They're opening all kinds of new doors and experiences. So I think for me, that's not my wins, but definitely something I see that was the result of all those little, you know, mentoring meetings, coffees, get togethers. That's amazing. That must be really rewarding and paying it forward, the ultimate validation of that. And if we haven't told you today on this podcast, thank you. You're both badasses. That's why you're here. (laughs) That's why you're champions. Thank you both for your time today and your contributions to the industry, not just professionally, but how you're helping to move this needle and the time you give back. It's so important. And we're very grateful to have you in the WLI community. So thank you. Thank you.